Praise the Lord. It's good to have you all today. Praise the Lord. Beautiful music today. We enjoyed every bit of it. We praise the King for all the things He's doing. And I know He has done some wonderful things. Now, I know today that we have some really, really wonderful testimonies. And I'm going to do this uh, without telling these people I'm going to do this. But if they will, they just made a motorcycle trip to Cancun. And I would, 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 George, would you or whoever, one of y'all, come up here and tell us a little bit about that, whichever one of y'all want to do that. I don't care which one does it, or both of you come up, I don't care. But they just done some wonderful things for Jesus. These lovely couple here and their daughter, they're from Manny, Louisiana, and I met them when I went down there. I stayed in their home and everything, and they are just on fire for Jesus. And I think that's on and ready to go. All you got to do is talk into it, I think. Okay. Y'all got an hour and a half. I oh, no. <laughs> it's hard to put 15 days in an hour and a half. Uh, my wife hadn't been riding a motorcycle too long, but uh, uh, the first day she made 686 miles driving by herself. We made it from Louisiana to Brownsville, Texas, across into Mexico, did all our paperwork. God intervened. He disallowed one of our riders to go into Mexico because they didn't like his uh, certified paper copies. And so he was going to go home. The next day, we went through another port of entry because we felt like God wanted the whole group to stay intact. And he got through the group, uh, with the group. And uh, the whole trip... We had made extensive plans. Uh, we just knew what everything had to be done, things in order. We were going to a church in Cancun. We were going to go out at night and have five or six different church services in the area. By the time we got to Cancun, God had those plans changed. We found out that the motorcycles were a bait that you wouldn't believe. They don't have big motorcycles down there. They got moped type motorcycles. And they just flocked to it. When we stopped for breakfast, people got saved. When we stopped for gas, people got saved. When we stopped for lodging, people got saved. Uh, they came to it. Uh, five out of the eight, uh, five out of the twelve people could speak some Spanish. Uh, I, uh, seven of us couldn't speak any, at least. And uh, that was no hindrance. God took care of everything. The, uh, we would get them to wait until we could get somebody to them that could uh, give them the plan of salvation. We uh, did not beat around the bush. It wasn't like it is here in America where you got to kind of warm the people up. Uh, we just got right down to the nitty-gritty. This is it. And what's your decision? And uh, 173 professions of faith. In Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We're trying to go back the end of this month, the end of September, and we need some more motorcycles. We're in bad need of motorcycles. We, we uh, partnered with a missionary that lives near Brownsville, Texas. He is a jumping-off place for mission work into Mexico, and he uses his house uh, as a stopover. 
and he helps people do the paperwork and things like that. He volunteered to drive the truck on this trip we made to Cancun and pull a trailer. We carried suitcases of clothes in the trailer. And uh, we did put one motorcycle in the trailer, and we had to use it because we had some mechanical breakdowns. Uh, every time we had a breakdown, God had a purpose in it. Uh, Satan tried to slow us down. A paper blew out of Beth's pocket. And uh, the two motorcycles in the back uh, saw paperwork, and they thought it might be legal papers that had blown off the motorcycle. And they stopped and hunted and hunted and hunted while they did that. That was our first interruption. Five people got saved at a house. <laughs> you know? uh, and guess what the paper was? We never did find it. It was a salvation track. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, you know, Jesus. somebody's going to pick it up. But uh, we just had a, uh, a great trip. We would start out at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning and go until 10 or 12 o'clock at night. We were trying to make more time, but uh, we found out there's too many people needed to hear about God. Uh, ten Federalist soldiers at the military checkpoints made a profession of faith. Uh, there are a few pictures here, and they are doing something on their arm. They're putting the youth colored beads. You know, you make the little leather bracelet to put on your wrist. They're putting together those colored beads on that bracelet, and they put them on in uniform. They wore them. And uh, uh, that went on. And we had no bad experience whatsoever. Not one. And I don't think we were ever threatened or had any problem. Uh, three to five policemen made professions of faith. Uh, we even got a police escort to the motel one night when we couldn't find where to stay. They turned their lights on, and we had a parade right through town. <laughs> uh, strange things. Uh, the men folks go on to stand this more. Pulled into a gas station in a very remote area. There just didn't seem to be any houses, but they have gas stations about every hundred miles. And uh, we were in the Yucatan in the back country and pulled into the station, and the, a pastor was riding my motorcycle, and he said, the front end feels funny. And when I walked over there, the tire looked a little low, and I kicked it. No air in the tire. Our gauge would register six pounds, but it wouldn't even register that. And no air in the tire, and he had been running 60, 65 miles an hour on it. God kept it up, kept it going, no problem. We got the plug kit out to fix the tire, and by the time they aired it up and got it out of the way, they said, don't need the plug kit. It's the valve stem leaking. Well, you don't replace a valve stem on a tubeless tire without going inside the, the wheel. And we didn't have any way to fix it out there in that back country. What does a good hardware store man say? Duct tape. Duct tape. He got it. <laughs> you know what the answer was? No duct tape. We wrapped electrical tape around that valve stem. Didn't put any more air in it. Ran three days on it without adding air. Got to a shop. Got it repaired. And when they repaired it, guess what they found? Bad bearings in the front wheel. 
if that valve stem hadn't leaked, we wouldn't have got the bearings replaced, and they wouldn't have made it back out of Mexico. And if your front wheel bearing locks up, you're in bad shape on a motorcycle. God blessed us the whole way, and I need some more motorcycle riders. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow. Yeah, the 24th. I believe you, didn't you say the 24th, George? Yeah, they're going to go out on another one of these things. And if you've got a motorcycle or have access to one and you want to take a trip to Mexico uh, on a motorcycle, you know, uh, and the information, yeah, we got, they got some brochures or at least one here. They may have brought some more. I don't know, but I got one up here and a brochure tells all about it. So if you're interested, you know, you can get in touch with uh, George or Beth. Uh, and they brought their daughter with them today, and they're they're going to go on a trip to Mexico again on one of those trips. Isn't it awesome to think that here's a team of what? What did you say, George? Eight? Or how many people went? Eight motorcycles and four other people. Okay, eight, uh, twelve people, and eight. Praise the Lord! And the, I think he didn't you say 170 something people come to Christ? 173 people come to Jesus on that trip. Yeah, I mean, is that what the king told us to do? Go into the world and preach the gospel and everybody that will believe will be saved and you'll snatch them out of the pit of hell. And you know, there is, that is the greatest miracle that ever happens is bringing somebody to Jesus. Cheryl and I was talking, coming to church this morning and I said, you know, Cheryl was talking about going to a family reunion yesterday and all of her family, she's never seen them through the eyes she saw them through yesterday. We said, honey, all my people are sick. They're all sick. Nearly all of them's lost. It's just a handful of them, even less than a handful of them that are saved. The rest of them are sick and afflicted and don't know Jesus. So she said, I have to go over there yesterday, and I've got to talk to these people about Jesus. And so we prayed about this and everything. Of course, rebuked the devils and everything else. And she went over yesterday and talked to some of her uncles and everything else and relatives, kin folks, whatever about Jesus. And this morning we was talking, I told her, I said, you know, if you can win them to Jesus and you never get them healed, it's wonderful if they get to die, even if they die in sickness and disease, at least if they get saved, they get to go to heaven. I said, you know, and that's the main thing we do is get people saved. Once we get them saved, if we can't teach them the principles of God, you know, if they're not willing to listen, I mean, getting saved is just the first step of, of coming into the kingdom. I mean, after that, there's great and awesome privileges of being children of God. You know, great and awesome privileges. But most of us are just like I was most of my life. I didn't know. I didn't know what was available by faith. And so the enemy was continuing to beat up on me. And I had no idea what was going on on this earth. I had no idea the power I had in the name of Jesus. I just didn't know what I could do in Jesus' name. And it's a shame that we, the body of Christ, have all these things available to us, and yet we don't know it. But anyway, uh, I just wanted George to, and I'm glad he came up here, to give us a little testimony about what God has done in their life in the last few weeks. It's awesome. But now then, we're going to have communion today. Oh, James has got something he wants to say right quick. Praise the King. Praise the King. All right. There's their precious little daughter here. Ooh, look at this little girl. No oxygen. Praise the King. Glory to God. Woo. 
Amen. It should be on, I think. Yeah. It's on. It's on? Can you? Yeah. And, and that's, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to give an update. Jesus. Jesus is... Uh, is uh, She's gaining weight, and she's she's off. She doesn't need to be on the oxygen all the time. So, and she's she wants to talk. What do you want to say? No. See, she wants okay. to pull that microphone down there and she, sing. She, Praise the Lord. She's gonna be like all the rest of the cronies. She's gonna be a singer. Praise the Lord. She'll be a year old on Thursday, and they said that she probably wouldn't make it. Yep. I remember the first day we went over there and she was in that little tiny incubator and they said I couldn't even put my hand in there to touch her on the head to pray for her because my weight of my hand would tear her skin. I mean, you talk about a little tiny, little teeny tiny lady. I mean, she was born, what, three months or three months? She was born three months early and she was just under two pounds. You know, so she was she was very tiny, very tiny. And it wasn't just one time they told us she wasn't going to make it, was it, Jay? No, there was um, at least yeah, at least two major times that they told us that she wouldn't make it. Uh, they were kind the, the first time and just saying that they did not um, believe that she would overcome the lung damage done by the machines, uh, which was really um, a miracle because they knew that she would not make it. They had uh, just the lungs had suffered so much damage from them trying to keep her oxygen levels at the, at the legal limits. Um, that right, and then the second, yeah, well, the second time, I mean, her heart stopped uh, for 16 minutes. The devil stopped it, and uh, they normally don't try to to try to resuscitate a baby at that age uh, for after 12 minutes. After 12 minutes, they said there's too much brain damage. There's there's just too much. But for some reason, I mean, they called us. We went to our knees in prayer. We called Thurman and Cheryl, and we went. To, they they came to prayer with us. And so we headed to the hospital because they called us to tell us that she was coding, which basically meant that her heart had stopped and that they couldn't get her to start again. And uh, I saw in the reports, I mean, they did the little shock treatments on her, I think, at least twice, and they still couldn't get her. And um, But God got her started after we came hey, to the prayer. Hey, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Oh, yeah. Then, I mean, there's so many. I mean, you've heard of it, but we'll, we'll give God, continue to give him the glory. They said she'd never come off the air vent because of the damage to her lungs. Even, you know, it sounds like a, a little bit like Caitlin, right? Well, she'll yeah. never yeah. do this and she'll never do that. Yeah. And we're like lot just watching them and just listening to them and going, that's not true. That's not true. And yeah. uh, we continued to pray and stand. And so she did. She came off the vent and she continues to do uh, greater and greater things than they ever expected her to. They, they don't know that they're cursing them. They, they don't know. They, they, they. I mean, we really ran into some precious people there at the hospital. Some had faith, some didn't. Um, but uh, I think they learned that they learned that the God is greater than you know, Amen. greater than anything that we can imagine. Amen. And we just continue to praise Him and worship Him. Are we grateful? We got a Lord that's got a book full of promises we can stand on. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I got something you got to say about this. Praise the Lord. You know, Jesus said, my sheep shall hear my voice, and they'll flee from all other voices. And all the time when they were hearing this voice, they were hearing other voices saying, you know, y'all just let her go. But they listened to the Lord's voice. Amen. And because they did, we stand here today seeing a miracle child. Oh, yes. Let's just praise you and worship you, Lord. Thank you. We give you all the glory and the honor that you are. The healer. Daddy, you open the eyes of the blind so that they can see your ways and you heal the brokenhearted, Daddy. And we just want to give you all the glory and the honor right yes. now for this little baby because you, Daddy, brought her through yes. this. And I want to thank you for her parents because they had the strength 
and the fortitude, and most important of all, they listen to your voice, Daddy. So we just praise and worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Yes. Amen. Praise you. Thank Amen. You. Glory, glory, glory. Yes, yes. Oh, Thank you, Daddy. You know, I had a preacher come to my house about a month ago, and this preacher had some real mad problems. And, and he was he had had back surgery, and he was on all this pain medication. And he had gotten addicted to the to the downers, and and then to to the pain medication. They they give these uh, they give you medication that they're trying to duplicate what your thalamus does. And these endorphins are, are pain medicine, but what happens is then your brain gets lazy and it doesn't secrete the, the painkillers that God put in each one of us. And so, so this man was under tremendous problems. And so he's, I prayed with him and I asked him, I said, you know, you're going to have to stand on God's Word. You won't get set free. So for three days he did. And at the end of the third day he comes, I just can't, I just can't do it any longer. He said, I'm, I'm going to go back to taking the medication, the antidepressants and the pain medicine. And then, you know, I just cried for this man because I knew the voices he was listening to. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had another man that came to us, and he was another preacher. And this preacher was having a problem. And his problem was he couldn't sleep. And so he was staying up all night long and having these nightmares. So he'd gone to a, to a sleep. They have these centers now where they can go and they'll hook up these electrodes to you. And basically what they're doing is they're, they're checking what's going on through your brain, the waves that go through and how often you're waking up during the night. And so they're, they're trying to figure out what to do. And they wanted to put him on this medication. I said, well, let's, before you do that, let's try it God's way. And so this man said, well, okay, well, let's, let's do that. So that's what we did. Well, he called me back last week to tell me he'd been healed. He was sleeping now. It was too great. So, so, so we have two preachers here. One of them was willing to listen to God's voice. And one of them wasn't. My sheep shall hear my voice and they'll flee from all other voices. And we had another lady that came and Cheryl and I had been ministering to this lady for months with the same problem that the first preacher had. And so finally she said, I'm going to, I'm going to get set free. She said, I'm taking, I'm stopping all this medication. All these antidepressants and all the pain medicine, I'm stopping them. And my husband's telling me not to, but I'm going to do it. I'm sure you can fill me in if I'm leaving anything. Come up here, honey. And so this woman, this woman stood on God's Word, and she called us back and said, they took me to the hospital for three days with, with withdrawals. said, but I got set free, and, and now I'm fine. And then another woman came to us. <laughs> Are we through with that one? <laughs> well, she um, had tried to get off all this medication, and <laughs> and um, one was the anti-anxiety medication, and uh, but she became very anxious, so much so that they had to take her to the hospital, and that's why she was there. But. Um, during the process of that, she started crying out to God because she had been in a tremendous amount of pain. She would call me and just say, this pain is unbearable, you know. And I would pray with her, and she'd be all right for a little while. And then, you know, she'd call back again. But in the process of all of this anxiety, she called out to Jesus. She just kept on calling out. And he delivered her from that pain. 
And now she still had to go back on the um, anti-anxiety medication. But, you know, we're just praying that, you know, the Lord will deliver her from all of that. She stepped, made one major step enough for the pain medication. Gave her faith. She said yeah. she was going to get she was going to get set free the rest. And then this morning, I had a man call me. And this man was a man that we administered to down in, in San Marcos. And his daughter had had had, had back surgery also, and, and she she also had got on these antidepressants and the painkillers. And he, and she. After listening, listening to God's word being spoken, and us praying for her, she said, "I'm going to stop this, Daddy." And so she stopped taking this medication, and God healed her. She went through three days also of, of going through these withdrawals, standing on the Lord's word, and Jesus healed her. So this man called me up this morning about seven o'clock. And said, I got a problem. I said, "What?" After he told me his daughter was healed, but you know, I was jumping up and down. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. He said, "Well, I'm getting ready to be kicked out of the church." He said, "What should I say to these people? They've called me up. I'm coming up. I'm supposed to be. They've called me up before the board today, and they they want to speak to me, and they've said that they're going to kick me out of the church if I don't change what I'm saying." And that is that it's God's will to be healed. They're saying, you can't say that. Some people are supposed to be sick. That's God's will. He said, that's not true. I know that. He said, what should I do? And you know, what you're laughing Is it funny? <laughs> you know, well, Thurman and I have both been kicked out of churches more than once for the same thing. Are we <laughs> I guess the best thing is John fifteen twenty. Jesus said that a servant's not above his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. So, so you know, I want y'all to listen to me. The secret: my sheep shall hear my voice, and they'll flee from all other voices. In Deuteronomy twenty eight, Daddy said, "This is the secret: if you want to be blessed." Spiritually, physically, and financially, you got to do three things. You got to learn my word. You got to obey my word. Most important of all, you have to listen to my voice. So when I speak to you, you'll know what to do. And because they were willing to listen when the Lord spoke to them, We've got a beautiful little girl here. And awesome, no telling what God's got planned for this little girl. Because she definitely was raised by the Lord. So we just give you all the praise once again, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Amen. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, what a miracle. Oh. Um, the Lord just impressed me as I was watching this. And I wanted to uh, bring this to light because the body of Christ is about to be raised from the dead. Let me tell you how I know how I know it. The prophet Ezekiel was appointed to go out into a desert and the, God told him, you see those graves? You believe they can come alive? He says, Lord, you know. And he prophesied. And as he began to do that, 
the graves begin to open and bodies begin to come out. This child is a symbol of that. Was appointed for this very purpose to wake the body of Christ up. There's a storm coming on America, in fact, the whole world. And most of the church has not been ready. The judgment has been delayed more than once because it's just like the prophet who cried out to God, Jacob's too small. In other words, he's not ready. And God said, I know. So this isn't right yet. But the judgment is coming. Because God's going to separate those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit's saying and those that don't. I've testified to many people. My wife Pat has many times even tried to tell them the truth. Some have ears to hear and some don't, brother. That was a good word from God because what I want you to understand, what the Lord wants you to understand in His Word is, is that I'm separating the sheep and the goats right now. It's not going to happen when we get to heaven. It's going to happen right here on earth. Tell you another thing. That temple we've been waiting to come down from heaven, it's already here. Okay? We just don't sit, see it yet because we don't have the eyes to see all of it yet. But let me tell you something. God's going to raise up a people to manifest the power of God within His people before the world, before the lights go out. And when He does, this world will know that He has sent us. He sent Him. He sent me. He sent you. We are all witnesses. And those that have the ear are the ones that don't listen to another voice. They don't listen to another report. Like Isaiah said, who's going to believe this report, Lord? It's those who believe the Word of God because they have it sown in their heart. It begins to bear fruit when they begin to act on it. When you begin to do what this man's been teaching and others like him, that's the reason why you're very blessed and fortunate to be here because you're hearing the Word of God as pure as it can be. Let me tell you why the gospel's been stolen for 2,000 years. Because the devil knew he couldn't do it through persecution. So the way he did it is he allowed a man to see a vision that was maybe a true vision. But the problem is he decided, since he was a world ruler, to unite all the religions together. That's what we've done in the church today. It's called compromise. God said, no, you separate yourselves from the peoples. You separate yourselves from this world unto me. That's how you become holy. Okay, it's not by do do this and don't do that. It's by walking by faith and not by sight, because you're only accounted righteous by believing God's word. These people are righteous because they believe God's word. The people that you preach to and you preach to, they become righteous. That's what salvation's all about. It's of those who are like the sons of Abraham who believe the word of God with no doubt in their heart and stand on it no matter how long it takes until the fulfillment of that promise comes to pass. That's what I had to learn to allow myself to get healed. That's what separates the wheat from the tares, the goat from the sheep. And God is doing that even as we speak. And here's the reason why. Because He's going to throw all of us into the wilderness. If you don't step in it now, you will eventually. You'll be forced to. Let me tell you what the wilderness is. It's when everything and every support of this world is taken away from you. And the only thing you're going to be able to stand on is the Word of God. When it happens, you better be ready now because you will be forced to later. And what this man is preaching and others like him around the world right now is he's preparing the bride. He's raising up that child, that man-child, that corporate baby who came in the body of Jesus. Well, you are all members of that body. What you're looking at when you look around this congregation is Jesus in the flesh. That's the reason why those who say that Jesus didn't come in the flesh are not of His. 
They are antichrist. They're everywhere. They're in churches. They're in the world. So flee from that. Free from all false doctrines. Flee from the ways of the world because this is what's going to separate the wheat from the tares and the sheep from the goats. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's turn in our Bibles to James chapter 1. Uh, I want you to, how many of you love to be tried and tested like some of these people? No, now wait a minute, what kind of a deal is this? Y'all have just heard several different trials. It doesn't mean, when George come up here, how many different trials and tests did they have on that trip? I mean, it wasn't just a beautiful, smooth trip without a single flaw, was it? They had all kinds of flaws, and they had many trials. They was tested and tempted and many things. And then, of course, Lori and James. Now, I will have to say about Lori and James, I know God has given them the privilege to be where they are today because if this trial or this test had to come to them three years ago, they would have not passed the test. They weren't prepared three years ago. They didn't know that Jesus was the healer. You know, they were just normal Christians. They didn't know the Word of God. I mean, they were great Christians. I believe that, but I don't believe they could have passed this kind of a test a few years ago. But God knows where you are. And He knows, I just like me, whenever He sent this test to me that I was tested with, I, I considered the ultimate uh, five and a half years ago or five years ago. I consider, I like Job, when Job lost his family and all of his resources and everything, that's about the ultimate test that you can come up to. But God knew where Job was right there. He knew where he had brought him to. And he knew that he's, what sin he had. And he knew Job's sins were many. And because he tells us all about them in his word. Just like today when we were coming down, I'm praying, I'm talking to the Lord, driving down the road. And I'm telling the Lord, Lord, I don't even know what my sins are, but I'm sure they're far more than I know about. You know, Lord, I am doing my best. I am doing everything I know to do to put you first and walk holy in your presence. But I said, Lord, you're only you can judge that. And I mean, if you were, if I were to stand before you right now and say, Lord, I'm just like Job. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I hadn't done anything wrong. He might stand up and say, let me tell you. Let me start over here. The list is long. Keith, the list is long. It starts over here and goes way over here. Let me tell you what you've done wrong. Well, I don't want to hear that. Do you? No. But we, we're trying, at least what we should do is we should try our best to walk holy before God. Now then, I want to read something to you. I'm going to start out with James chapter 1, verse 12. And I want you to look at the first word. Now, this is in the King James Bible. Now, I want the, the first word there, we like that word. James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, blessed. Now, how many of you want to be blessed? <laughs> I want to be blessed. But it says, blessed is a man that endures. Blessed is the man that endures. Now, wait a minute. Anytime there's endurance involved, I think about what George and him talked about, this 24, 500-mile one-way trip to Mexico on a motorcycle. I'm telling you, I don't know if i got the kind of endurance or not. <laughs> I don't know whether I can handle that or not. I mean, that is a trip. I rode a, tri- I rode a motorcycle one time. Of course, it was years ago, and it was a Harley. And it was one of those that I don't know what there's probably got drive shafts and they're probably not near as much vibration on these new ones. 
But I had one that had a chain on it. I don't know if there's got chains on them or not. But I rode a motorcycle, a Harley Davidson, from Goldsway, Texas to Dallas, Texas, which took me three and a half hours. And when I got here, I couldn't feel anything. I was numb. <laughs> and I was 18 years old back in those days. <laughs> So with George <laughs> and Beth riding those motorcycles, 683 miles the first day. Let me tell you, that's a woman right there. I'm telling you, that's a woman. I'm telling you, wow. As a woman of God, that's what she is. That's absolutely right. But I think about that. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I just I think about that trip I made. And I thought that even after three hours, I was numb. Because of the vibration of that motorcycle. Now, I hope the motorcycles today with drive shafts and all that stuff are a whole lot more vibration free. But this says, blessed is a man that endures temptations. Now, do you think temptations are going to come in your life? I guarantee there's nobody going to be exempt from temptations. Temptations are going to come. We got the flesh and the devil, and between the flesh and the devil, I'm going to guarantee you there's going to be things that's going to pop up in your path on a day-by-day basis. But look what the Lord says. When these things come, you're going to have to endure them. He has given you the power to overcome every kind of a tribulation or a temptation that comes up in your life. But you're going to have to overcome it because He says, blessed is the man. Now, I want to be blessed. I love being blessed. But he says, blessed is a man that endures temptation, endures them, goes through them. Just like Lori and James now. I mean, think of the times they were tested and tempted. Think how many times when that little tiny thing was born. Like I said, I never forget this little battle or this big battle. It's not what this wasn't a little battle. But the first day when that little tiny lady, I, I don't think I ever seen a child that small in my life. I didn't know they could be that little. I mean, I never seen one that tiny. I mean, I couldn't believe her, her whole hand wasn't big as my end of my finger. I mean, she was little bitty. And then James said, I want you to go over to the hospital and lay hands on her and pray for her. Well, I went over there, and when we go into this, where she's in this little tiny incubator, now they said, I, I said, I'm going to lay hands on this baby and pray for her. They said, well, don't put any pressure on her because you can tear her skin with your hand. I thought, wow, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, all the children I've ever deal, dealt with, by the time they get nine months when they're born, you can handle them pretty good. You know, I mean, I listened to a preacher one time. He said, you can always tell which child it is. If it's number one, when mama brings that little thing home, she's carrying it like this. You know, she, oh, she's afraid he's going to break. And she brings him home. She lays him down on those little quilts and she pats him. And she's so gentle with him. When to the time she has the second one, she brings him home and she just walks over there and kind of plops him down in the crib. But said, by the time she has number three, she walks into the door and throws him in the crib. <laughs> said she knows he's not going to break. <clears throat> I know where he's coming from. I, I raised a couple of them, and I know, you know, how careful I was with Tim. You know, when he was born in such a little tiny guy, and I looked over there. He was a full, full-term baby and everything. But I looked over and I think, oh, God, what do you got for that little guy in the future? I have no idea what you're going to use him for. But you give him to me for something special, and you've revealed all these things to me. Now, I know you're going to use my son in a mighty way. <clears throat> well, 
when little Amanda was born. And that little tiny six-pound girl, when I looked at her, I had no idea what was in front of me. I had no idea the times and the trials and the tests and the nights I would set up and hold her and rock her, that I would have her, I would come home, Mama would be exhausted. She's trying to rock her to sleep, and I'd take her in my arms, and I'd sit there and rock her after I'd been at home or I'd been out working all day, and Mama would go to bed. And I'd set up and I'd rock her sometime for an hour or two. And she'd be snoozing on my shoulder. I'd be patting her on the deck. And I'd think, I've got her now. You know, I'll ease up and take her and lay her down into bed. And it's maybe 10 or <laughs> That's exactly right, Shelly. Shelly's been there and done that too. I mean, the minute I would raise up, she'd start screaming. And I thought, how can she wake up so easy, so quick from such a dead sleep? But the trials and tests, the tribulations that we went through raising our children, you know, and then there's just so many things. But I, I'm so grateful to the king because when, when Amanda was just less than a month old, just a few days old, for the first time in my life as a Baptist deacon, Baptist Sunday school teacher, a man that loved God, I heard the king speak to me and he spoke to me audibly. I heard a voice that sounded audible. I mean... But the king, I was reading Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And when I read that, he said, Son, pay attention. I have a message for you in the next few verses. Wow. I thought somebody walked in the room. I turned to see who had walked in. There wasn't nobody there. And then I realized he said, Son, pay attention. I have a message for you in the next few verses. I read and begin to consume those next few verses. And every parent, grandparent, great-grandparent needs to read those next four or five or six verses and needs to take them to heart. If you want to raise good children, good grandchildren, you got to know what the Word of God says. And if you don't do what the Word of God says, I mean, these trials and tests and things, you will not be blessed in them. You will miss it. But the Lord says in James 1, blessed is the man that endures temptations, these temptations, these trials and tests that's going to come to you. And I think about the multitudes of times in my own life when they came to me and I didn't pass my test. I think about the times I failed. I think about the times I grumbled and complained. I mean, just like George and Beth, they're going down there. I don't know I wasn't with them. But I know them fairly well, and I bet you that they were praising the Lord through that whole trip. Even through all the temptations and the trials and tests. And as they took that tremendous t- uh, trip down there to Cancun, Mexico, and they didn't have any idea what God was going to do with them great big motorcycles and all the number of people that they were going to bring into the kingdom. But was it without temptations and trials and tests? Oh, no. You heard the thing, bearings going out, flat tires, all kinds of problems that they had. But they endured, and probably with very little grumbling and complaining. You know, And it should have been, if it wasn't, it should have been with no grumbling and complaining. Because now that the trip has been made and they're back, they can stand here and stand up here and be blessed. Because it says, blessed is a man that endures temptations. They made the trip. They stood their guns there, and they won 173 people to Jesus. Do you know there's, there's churches that have not led 173 people to Jesus in the last 20 years? You know that? Do you? I remember reading when I used to be a Southern Baptist. We had a, a church deal that came out every year 
number of salvations in a given church. Number of salvations. And did you know, there was a few of the churches that were on fire, that were doing something wonderful for Jesus. People were coming into the kingdom. But out of the twelve or 1,400 Baptist churches that we used to get the reports back from, there was hundreds of those churches. Baptisms or salvations for the last year, zero. Not one person got saved. Hey, I'm going to tell you, you can't preach God's Word and not get somebody saved. I mean, if you're preaching the Word of God, if you're teaching that just like yesterday, or the day before yesterday, whatever it was, I walked into the grocery store to get some milk. I mean, we went up there, and we were out of this half and half that I loved in my hot tea. And so I just thought, well, we're out of that. I'll run by the grocery store and get me a, a little couple of deals of that. And I'll run in there, and i get those, and i walk up to the counter. And I'm just smiling, and I walk up there, and a girl says, how are you doing today, sir? And I said, young lady, I am magnificently, absolutely wonderful. I am great, but I am rapidly improving. She said, wow, I ain't never seen nobody like that. I said, well, you know why you don't know? You hadn't had a day like mine? I said, do you know Jesus as the King of Kings? And she backed off a second. And then the guy on the next aisle over there, since I don't talk nice and soft, I talk loud and bold. The guy at the next aisle, he said, that's the second time today we've heard somebody make a statement like that. I said, glory to God, there's been somebody in here today as a Christian besides me. I said, you, I said, you know him, son? He said, I know him. I said, praise God. I said, how about you, young lady? And she kind of backed off. I said, you don't know him, but you need to come to know him as your Lord and Savior. Anytime anybody backs off and don't say immediately, I know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you don't know my king. And if you know my king, you're going to be out there doing what Beth and, and George did. You're going to be going somewhere doing something for Jesus, and you're going to be leading people to Jesus. Can you imagine the Word of God says them that lead souls into the kingdom of God is wise, and said so they shall shine as the stars of the firmament forever? You know, how many, you know how many diamonds they got in their crown on this trip? Isn't that awesome? Angels were rejoicing. See, that's, that's, a, that's a praise the Lord, isn't it? But it was not without temptations and trials. But the Lord says here, and this is the part we like, the first part. Blessed. But we don't like the rest of it. Blessed is a man that endures. I don't know about you, but endurance is not something we as a church do very well. You know that? We don't do endurance well. You know, I mean, yeah, we can endure. Okay. I can take you out. Let's just say that uh, I want to get out there. It's only a half a mile from my front door to the mailbox. Now then, I say, let's just run down to the mailbox and get the mail. Well, we walk out there, what happens? Is somebody going to go with me? We walk out and open the door and get in the pickup. <laughs> hey, it's them Caitlin, that's right. It's them Caitlin and Grandma. They'll run. They'll run down there to the mailbox. The rest of us ride. We don't do endurance very well. I can endure pretty good riding in a pickup, can't you, Ty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but enduring that run is something else. I'm telling you, enduring the hot. That's like the other day when Dave and I, we walked into the place to buy some bubble mailers. And when we walked in, he said, this warehouse is hot. I mean, it's a huge warehouse. You know, I mean, probably 30-foot ceilings. They had stuff in there. They packed all over the place. The doors open. No air conditioning. 
He said, next time somebody complains at the ministry center because you've got the thermostat set up to 78, I'm going to tell them, come down here in this place. It's 110 in here. He said, they won't endure very good down here. I mean, but I got it set to 78. And guess what? Some of y'all would complain if you walked into the ministry. It's too hot in here. No, you can't endure that. That's not bad at all. You know, 78 is a whole lot better. How many of you woke up this morning and it's 70 degrees outside or 75 and you were happy? Hey, praise the Lord. It was beautiful outside this morning. Even a little light drizzle at my place this morning at first. So, but it was beautiful. But the Lord says, blessed is a man that endures temptation for when he is tried. Oh, my goodness. John, I don't like to be tried. Do you? No. But he's going to do this to us. You've got to get a hold of the fact that God is raising up a group of faith people. And did you know you can't have a testimony without a trial or a test? You can't have one. And you can't have great testimonies without great trials. How many of you think Lori and James lacked this test they went through? It wasn't no fun, was it, girl? But you got a great testimony. Because we all know only God could have done what He did for that little girl. I remember looking at her. Ty knows he's a doctor. When he goes and sees a little girl like that, and these doctors are all saying, we can't make it, not going to not going to live. I mean, heart stopped for 12 minutes. And so the angel used to go on. How many of you have the faith to say, no, no, we're going on. But it's, the heart's not been beating for 12 minutes. I mean, give me a break. Anybody in their right mind knows that 12 minutes, you're dead. Right? According to the world system. You know, when that th- you know what happens? Most of us, most of us walk into a hospital, see somebody in bad shape. And instead of praying and getting them to repent of their sins and standing by faith, we just say, well, what a shame. They'll be gone in a few minutes or a few days. You know, that's the kind of faith we have. So many of us. And that's so sad. I mean, we need to fight these fights of faith, I mean, to the bitter end. I mean, whenever they say your child's been dead, no, the heart's been stopped for 12 minutes, they say, well, let's keep praying. I remember a testimony one time about a man. They were a member of an Assembly of God church, and one of their children had died, and the doctor told them the child's dead. And he said, we're going to go out here in the lobby, and we're going to pray. And the doctor said, sir, the child is dead. He said, no, well, that's what you say. But we're going to go out here and we're going to pray. Well, 30 minutes later, the doctor comes out and says, can't we do something with this child? He said, no, we're still praying. 30 minutes later again, an hour now, the doctor comes out and said, look, sir, y'all are wasting your time. Let's just get this over with. This child's dead. He's not going to come back from the life. And they said, you know, no, we're not through. And at two hours, two hours, they're still out there praying. Now, what kind of people does it take? I mean, it takes faith people to even stay out there. The doctors, two hours ago, the baby died. It's over. But you know, you've got to remember that when Jesus walked up to Lazarus' tomb, he had been dead. Wow, four days. And he just said, Lazarus, come forth. And you know, the thing about it is that it's really amazing about that. After you get a hold of the fact of the way they mummify a person. You know, I mean, I didn't see this for years. 
But, you know, after you've been to Egypt and you've seen the process of the way they mummify people, I believe the Egyptians learned that from the Israeli people. I believe that's where they got the idea of wrapping you up with the myrrh and the aloe. Because we read that in the Bible. They take strips of linen and they dip it in a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe and they wrap every part of your body. And when they get through with you, you're sealed in a cocoon. I mean sealed. And then within a matter of hours, that myrrh and aloe with all that cloth wrapped around your body, that stuff may be an inch or two thick. Who knows how thick? You can tap on it and it's hard. You're sealed. That's what they had done to Lazarus. He was sealed. There was no place to breathe or nothing. I mean, he didn't walk out of that tomb. Lazarus was sealed. And when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, the Word of God says Lazarus stood in the entryway to the tomb. Lazarus didn't walk out of there. An angel reached down and got him, picked him up, and set him down right there so they could see him. He didn't walk out. He didn't walk out of there. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. So somebody come up and said, man, he's standing there. He must be alive, although he ain't walking. You can't walk with a mummy with that stuff wrapped around you. So somebody run up and said, let's tear open his face. They start cutting that stuff off. As soon as they get in, he said, I'm glad you guys got that open. I sure did need a breath of fresh air. It was stale in here. And they said, he is alive. And then you know what blows me away? It said, many of the people standing there that saw that miracle, even the Sadducees and Pharisees, it said many of them believed in Jesus. I mean, give me a break. There's only one thing wrong with this. All of them should have believed in Jesus when you see something like that. I mean, it'd take a real dummy not to believe after that, right, brother? I mean, but it says the ability of the devil to blind the minds of some of those people. It said some of those Pharisees and Sadducees went away to figure a way to kill Jesus and Lazarus again. You know, when you think about the height of the power of the devil and the flesh for our mind to be blinded to the truth of the Word of God, if you could have been back there and you could have been there and seen Jesus do that miracle, you'd think everybody in the world would believe from that day forth. But what did we do today? I mean, these stories are recorded. I mean, they're sealed in, in the Word of God, in the blood of Jesus. And he continues to do miracles all around us all the time. I mean, just like George said, riding a motorcycle all day with a flat tire. You don't drive a motorcycle with a flat tire with no air in it. You know, you just don't do it. I mean, only if God holds it up. But what can God do? Hey, do you think he's still in the miracle working business? Oh, yeah, he's still in the miracle working business, and we're so grateful. We get to see him do so many of these wonderful things here. He is so awesome. But blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, oh, this next part we really like. When he is tried, when you pass your test, you shall receive the crown of of life. Now then, when you're tried and tested, next time before you step out grumbling, you know, I look back there at Paul and I thought about him driving across the road and I thought about this morning coming to church. As the afternoon we're coming to church, we get over at the trophy club and traffic backed up everywhere. 
I started to pull over in the left lane. Cheryl said, no, honey, that's the wrong lane. I see the traffic up there in that lane. That's where the police is a wreck up there. I said, okay, so I pulled back in the right lane. We drive along the little where stop and go, and all of a sudden there's a man behind me. You know, he, need, he sees that too, and he wants to try to get in. And so he tries to get the guy to give him a break right behind me. You know, kind of inches over a little bit. And when he does, the guy behind me pulls over. I thought he was going to hit him. And the guy immediately pulled back over to the left. And the guy pulled over into him further. So the guy thought, I, I don't know what he's thinking. I'm just seeing in my mirror. This guy starts forward, the guy on my left, and the other guy tries to pull out and hit him. And I'm saying, I said, God, Lord, do something. This guy's crazy. And, and so, I mean, about that time, I just said, okay, I'll stop dead. And I'll let plenty of room go between me and the guy in front so the guy can get in front of me. I'll give him, I'll let him in. But before I could do that, when I stopped, the guy almost hit me. He pulled right out. And before the guy could get in front of me, he'd come between his bar and me and zipped right in so that guy couldn't get in front of me. He passed and got in front of me. I thought, God. Bless that man. It's obvious that that man needs your blessing today because he's mad at the world. And this man is being tried and tested. And I've been studying this. I said, this guy's being tested and he's failing his test miserably. And when you fail your test miserably, you're going to be around that mountain for 40 years. This guy don't have a clue. But you know, when you, when you go through those kind of trials and tests, the Lord says, blessed is the man that when he's tempted, that guy wanted to kill that guy. I mean, he was trying to, right in my presence. And there's two police cars right in front of us, about ten cars up. And this guy's doing this to the guy behind me. He didn't care. That's right. He didn't care. Why? Because he's a man of the world. That guy couldn't have been a Christian. I mean, he might have said he's a Christian, but if he is, he, that guy has not worked out his own salvation. He has no knowledge of who the king really is. He's not spent any time in God's Word. When you get in God's Word, you learn that these trials and tests... You're going to go through them regularly. You don't like them. You don't like them. But whenever you pass your test, just like Paul was telling us the other day, he's a truck driver. And before he started listening to my tape, man, 80 miles an hour wasn't nothing. Seat belt, who cares? Who needs a seat belt after that big beast? Right? But he didn't get no prayers answered because he's breaking the law. One day he said, oh, that, that Thurman. I mean, he's telling me I've got to wear a seat belt and drive the speed limit. He said, okay, Lord, because you said it, not because Thurman said it, because Thurman said what you said, and I know I've got to obey you. I'm going to start driving the speed limit, and I'm going to wear my seatbelt every time I get in the truck. And he said, blow and behold, God started answering his prayers. Isn't that amazing? He's, Do you think God wants you to obey everything? I think about a woman one time I ministered to years ago, and she could not get her financial needs met. I told her, I said, ma'am, there's some kind of a problem here. I don't know what it is. But as we talked, I told her, I said, I don't have a clue why your financial needs are not being met, but you need to go and ask God, and you need to ask Him to tell you what you've done wrong. When she began to petition God, the Lord brought to her heart some people that she had stole 20 or $30 from, I think it's $20, 30 years before. A company she worked for, she literally took away from them without their knowledge about 20 bucks 30 years ago. She completely forgot it. When the Lord brought that to her attention, she said, Lord, I did take that $20. What do I need to do? He said, you need to go find them and repay them. And he said, and by the way, with 30 years worth of compound interest. 
So she went and figured that out and went and found those people and told them how sorry she was for what she had done 30 years ago. And the person said, that's okay. I mean, it was only $20. Forget it. She said, no. God told me I had to pay you back. And so she gave them the money. And her whole world changed from that day forth. Now somebody say, God wouldn't mind if I stole $20 30 years ago. He even forgets it. Let me tell you, he don't ever forget nothing. He knows everything you do. I think about one time I took a, a, a test when I, when I started flying. I went to New York City, and they sent me downtown New York City to take a lie detector test. I had never had one. I didn't know what they did. I went down there, and this guy started asking me simple questions. Only questions I could answer with yes or no. Is your name Thurman Scribner? Yes. Do you live in Goldsway, Texas, or Dallas, Texas, or whatever? You know, either yes or no. You know, and I answered every question, yes or no. Then he come down to a question, said, have you ever sold anything? And I said, yes. Then he said, okay, now that I've got to ask you a question that's not yes or no, I want to know what the value of what you stole was. I said, well, the value of what it was when I stole it was about 25 cents a quart. I stole four quarts of Gulf Pride oil for the Chevrolet house that I worked for. I changed my oil one night on my Chevrolet, and I had a key to the building, and I I forgot I was going to pay for it the next day. I got it off the rack, changed oil, and I never paid for that oil. I said, I stole four quarts of Gulf Pride oil that was valued at 25 cents a quart when I was about an 18-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid. And I said, he said, that's the only thing you've ever stole? I said, far as I know, that's it. He said, you never stole nothing else? I said, no. So I said, okay, the value of what you stole was worth $1. Yes or no? I said, yes. Okay, so we go through and answer all these questions. We come back and I answer every question again with this machine hooked up to me, with all these probes hooked upon me. When he got to the end of it, I forget, it was a whole bunch of questions. It took an hour or better. Got to the very end, he said, now then tell me what 17 times 350 is. And I said, what? And he said, no, I just want you to... Tell me the answer to 17 times 350. I said, I'll have to figure that out in my head. He said, okay, do it. And so I started, I thought to myself, 17 times, as soon as I started calculating, he said, that's it. That's all I want you to do. I said, I didn't, but I didn't give you the answer. He said, I thought you were dead. I said, what do you mean? He said, every, you're the only and first person I've ever had in my life that answered every question and answered every one, and I got a positive answer, perfect, the entire test. He said, you told me the truth all the way through. I said, well, I'm under a, I'm under a machine. I mean, surely I wouldn't lie. To, he said, you'd be surprised at the people that lied to me with a machine hooked up to them. But he said, you told the truth. I said, well, I thought, I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. Isn't that amazing? So see, when it comes to God... I mean, here I was just with a machine, with a man. But do you think God's going to hold you and me accountable for telling the truth? Absolutely. But he says right here, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, when he is tried, if you endure, you will receive the crown of life. Do you want a crown? You know, there's five of these different crowns located in the Word of God that I found. There may be more. But these are the five that I've had. And here's one of them. A crown of life. And realize that you're not going to get this crown until you're tried and tested and tempted. Now then, I wonder how many people don't get the crown of life. Well, let's read on. 
which the Lord has promised to them that love Him. Okay? If you love God, you would think that you're going to get the test. Let's go a little further. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. But every man, uh-oh, here's, here's, the, here's the clincher. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. How can you do that? You can be walking down the street. I mean, you don't need nothing. I mean, you've got a nice car. I mean, you, you don't need nothing. And you drive by, and there's a brand new red Mercedes in the window, showroom over there. You've got a nice car. And all of a sudden, something in your little head clicks and says, Ooh, wouldn't you love to be better than your neighbor to have that? Now, see, that's lust, isn't it? You're lusting for that. And you're yielding to that. Now, that's between the devil and your flesh. This is what's working on you. But you know, immediately as a Christian, when that comes upon you, what should we do? I don't need that cotton-picking red Mercedes. You know, i got a good car. I don't need it. This car gets me, and it's paid for. I don't have no payments on it. I only got 100,000 miles on it. It still runs great. I don't need a new car. I don't need no car payments. I don't care. I'm not trying to be better than Don down the street or James down the street or whatever. They can be better than me if they want to. I don't care. You know, a long time ago when I lived out there in Highland Village, Highland Village began to get built up a little bit and some people of means began to move in there, you know. I had a little 62 Falcon Rancher old pickup. It was about 10 years old, I guess, something like that. But it's a good little truck. You know, little six-cylinder standard ship. Boy, get me around. Do anything I wanted to do. I used to love it. I'd drive it to DFW Airport all week long, and every Monday morning I'd stop down there at the FINA station right there at the corner of 121 and 35, and I'd fill it up with gas. And for all week long, it cost me somewhere between $2 and 2 and a half to fill it up with gas every week. Boy, that's when gas was a high, the quarter a gallon. Things have changed, haven't they? Things have changed. I've seen a lot of changes in my life. But my neighbor, he'd come over one day and he had a brand new Chevrolet pickup. Brand new one. One of them Silverados, you know, pretty thing. He said, Thurman, why don't you trade off that old Falcon Ranchero and get you a nice pickup? I said, well, I don't need one. I said, I'd have payments. He said, but you know, your old pickup don't look too good sitting outside, you know. I said, well, I don't care what it looks like. I ain't trying to impress nobody. You know? It bothered him. But it didn't bother me. It got me where I wanted to go, and I had no payments. Now then, I could have listened to the enemy. I went down and said, you know, well, yeah, you have got a really nice Silverado there. Maybe I ought to go down and buy me a little bit fancier one than you, so you will feel comfortable with mine sitting in the driveway. But see, if I had a yielded to that lust, if I had a yielded to the flesh, oh yeah, my flesh is just like anybody else's. My flesh wants to sit in a nice new pickup. But it don't have to. I don't need one. This old flesh, I'm going to beat this thing once in a while. Like Paul said, I may have to get a switch a hold of this thing. But said, no, you ain't going to set yourself down in one of them brand new pickups because you ain't got the money. You'd have to go into debt to get one. 
Oh, yeah, I can make the payments on one, but I don't want to. I would rather buy an older one that's paid for. I'd rather have the ones I got. That's, I mean, my old, uh, uh, what is that, a 97 Chrysler? My old 97 Chrysler, it's paid for, got 107 or 110, whatever it is, thousand dollars. But every time I put the key in and it starts, it starts and I go. Hey, it gets me there just as good as a brand new one and a whole lot cheaper. Because I ain't got them five, six hundred dollar payments every month. Woo! You know, when Cheryl, when we got married, she had that Suburban. And, you know, she had payments on that thing. I mean payments. It took me a year to pay for that thing. But praise God, now we go out there and get in that thing. Ain't no payments. It's paid for. That's a good feeling, isn't it? It took me a year to pay that thing off. But, man, we just laying there in bed the other night. And I said, honey, you know how wonderful it is to lay here in bed and think that we don't owe nobody a dime. Our cars are paid for. Our house is paid for. Everything we got is paid for. And we got money coming in. I mean, you know, not a lot, but we got money coming in from our gas well. We got money coming in from Social Security. I don't have to sweat nothing. I got enough money to sustain me every month. I don't have to even be concerned. I know God's going to take care of me. He has blessed me. You know, it's wonderful to get to be my age and have worked hard to diligently invested your money and went through all these trials and tests. And of course, if I had have only known more about the Word of God when I was a young man. These trials and tests. You know, there's a few of these trials and tests I didn't pass. Some of y'all been through there with me? When one of them temptations come up on you, you, you don't pass it. You fail. And look what happens when you do this. He says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. Now, last night, I, I listened and read about, well, maybe a third of the Psalms last night. And I listened to and read at least 17 books of the book of Proverbs. Just last night. I'm sitting there till 1 o'clock this morning reading the Word, listening to the Word, looking at the Scriptures as it's being read to me, you know, by, by my computer. If you haven't realized that, you can go into our website. You can go to the Blue Bible on our website, and you can listen or, or read any of about ten translations, and you can read it and listen to it on MP3 at the same time. You can have them read it to you while you... They'll read it to you while you're reading it down. You know, so you're getting it two ways. You're getting it through your ears and out of your eyes. Did you all know that? Now, you can go to our website, and you go to the links that they put on there. And on the links, when you open, click on the links from the front page, then you go to the blue Bible, which is about the middle of those little links down there. When you click on it, you can go in and you can look up any book, any chapter, anywhere you want to go from those screens. And then if you want to read it in the King James or the New King James or the NLT or any one of about ten different translations, it's right there. And if you want to listen to it at the same time you're reading it, just click on MP3, listen, and it will go right down through and it will read it to you while you read it. So now you're getting it here and here. That's two ways. So I listened to that last night. I listened to it often. But as I was reading down through the book of Proverbs last night and listening to the book of Proverbs, the time I got to the 17th chapter, I thought, Lord, how many times have you told us as young men what not to do with women? You know, how many times did you tell us 
Oh, here's this beautiful woman. She comes out and she says, my husband's gone off on a long trip. He's going to be gone all month. I have anointed my bed with aloes and beautiful smelling stuff. Come to my house. We'll have a night of love because my husband's gone for a month. And he took a lot of money. He's not going to be back for a long time. And he says, don't go with her. Because if you do, it'll bring forth death. Her steps leads down and said, many has been the man that's been in her bed. But they're all dead now and they're all in hell. See, we read that. We don't believe that, do we? But it's in the Word. So if it's in the Word, you better heed the Word. When the temptations come, when that beautiful woman... I think about that beautiful woman. I was, at the, I was in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I worked for the Marriott Corporation, and I worked for the in-flight division, but I stayed at the Marriott Hotels. And so one night I checked into that big hotel at that time years ago. It was a great, big, beautiful way spread out all over the countryside. And I had to drive my car around the back. When I got around the back, of course, I'm, I don't know how old I was, 45, 50 years old. I get around the back, and there is one of the most beautiful ladies I believe I have ever seen dressed, I mean, beautiful. She walked up to me in her high heels and that beautiful dress. Beautiful woman. Wow. I mean, you know, everything was perfect. On top of her head, the bottom of her feet. She was perfectly put together. She walked up and said, Sir, what room are you staying in tonight? I looked at her uniform and I said, I don't see a Marriott tag on there. I said, Do you work for Marriott? Oh, she said, No. But I said, then why are you asking me what room I'm in, young lady? She looks like she's about 35. And she said, well, I thought you might like some company in a little while. I said, ma'am, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And she said, "Uh, you're one of them kind? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm one of them kind. She said, good day, sir. And she turned and walked off. Now then, I passed that test. I was tempted because I'm a man. And you don't find a more beautiful woman than that. But you know what? That temptation, listen to what it says. It says, but then when that has, it says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away with his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth life. Oh, that's not what your book said. Tashiana, what did it say it brings forth? Ooh, death. Nobody likes that, do they? But see, when the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, all the men that have been enticed by these women that do these kind of things, it leads you down to the pit of hell and you die prematurely. And it also goes a little further. It says, and some of you that live a little longer in your later years, your body will be raged with venereal disease. You know, the people must not read this book. You know, if we read this book and we believe what this book says, I mean, there would never be another man that would ever go to bed with a woman that wasn't his wife. He wouldn't even think about it because when that temptation comes, you know, if you're a man and a beautiful woman walks up to you or you see a beautiful one go by, lots of men today, Christians, see a beautiful woman walk by, they'll just follow her right along. 
We'll look at her, and I'll say, what do you think about that? He said, ooh, isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice to go to bed with that? I said, absolutely not. What's wrong with you? Something wrong with you? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm talking I go to church too. I said, but you need to get saved. You may go to church, but you ain't passing your test, son. You know, now, you see, when I was 30 years old, some of the guys that were 30 or 40 didn't like me to hear that. They didn't like me to say that. But now that I'm 67 years old, I can tell them what I'm on to because I'm older than most of them. See, I've been there and done it. Now, see, when you get my age, you can tell them the way it is because I have passed my test. I've been there and done all those things. And I'm going to tell you, not one single time in my life have I ever messed up in that one. Betty and I was married for 41 and a half years. I never even thought about going to bed with another woman. And even after she died, I didn't think about going to bed with another woman. God brought me Cheryl. I don't think about going to bed with another woman. You know, not at all. I mean, you're just like, I mean, I play with her a whole lot. The other night we're out there, she's at the computer sitting there working. You know, I walk in, three or four guys and gals in the kitchen. I walk around the corner. She's over there. I scream and run over. I said, I'm going to get you, woman. And I went over and kissed her right quick in front of everybody. I said, whoa, isn't she pretty? Whoa, isn't she awesome? Hey, she's mine. I can do what I want to, right? I can go over and hug her and kiss her. I mean, when she wasn't mine, I couldn't do that. But now that she's mine, you know, I can run over and hug her and kiss her and tell her how much I love her and all them kind of things. I mean, the other day, we go walking down the hall, and I'm doing 90 miles an hour, and she comes down the hall, and I, I guess I'm not going to stop and say nothing. And she reaches over and just turns me around, and I just, bam, run right face to face into her. She said, you ain't getting by me without a kiss. You know, isn't it wonderful to have a loving mate, you know, that you can play with, you can have fun with. That's what life's all about. See, when you play with your mate like that, you don't ever have to be enticed or tempted with the lust of the world. If your mate loves you, you know, you can do that. But if you're not, if you're a person that does not listen to God's Word, if you're tempted and you don't endure it, now you young people, you better listen to me and you better listen to me good, but I ain't talking to the young people only. I'm talking to everybody in here from a hundred down. When you're tested, when you're tempted with anything that's lust, I'm not just talking about sex, now I'm talking about everything. Your lust and your, you know, your covetousness, when those tests, those temptations come, you need to learn to capture those things and get rid of them. Because a lot of people that are tempted with things, even like buying a new car when you don't have the money, but you want to keep up with the Joneses. And how many people do I know that run themselves out to the limit? Their wife's working, they're working, they've got two expensive cars, they've got too expensive a house, they go out to eat real often, and they live from payday to payday. Do you know anybody that lives from payday to payday? I know a lot of them in the church. Never think about saving a dollar. I know, I used to do this. I can remember when I used to be flying for an airline, you know. Of course, you know, they didn't pay near as good then as they do now. But still, back in those days, I was making good money. Good money. What did I do with it? I spent every dime. I didn't save a nickel. And then one day, I came in from a trip from Vietnam. We used to haul guys out there, and it took us about seven to nine days to make that trip. And when I got back to San Francisco, I looked into my box. was a furlough notice. You have been laid off. I thought, uh-oh. I got enough money to get back home. But that's all I got. I walked into the house. I am broke. 
I don't have no money in the bank. When I showed this to Betty, she starts crying. What are we going to do? You don't have a job. I said, honey, I've been a dummy. I spent every nickel. I've been enticed. I've been tempted with the things of the world. And I would buy things I didn't even need. Now, I know none of y'all ever done that but me. There's things I bought I definitely didn't need. But I wanted them. You know, I was enticed. I was tempted. And I would fall to those temptations. I'd spend that money. I didn't need that. But now then I don't have none. And I'm out of a job. So I told her, I said, you know, I've been a dummy. I've not saved a nickel. I said, but this is not going to happen. I said, this temptation, this trial, this test that's coming upon me, it's going to make a different man out of me. I said, this day forth, I am not going to do this no more ever again. From this day forth, I said, I'm going to get out there in that little shop and I'm going to make us a living. I said, I can work on cars. Always somebody got a broke car. So I said, we'll go to church Sunday and I'll tell the Sunday school class. Of course, I was flying a lot, so I wasn't in town a whole lot. When we were at home, we went to church. So I went in and I told them, I said, guys and gals, I'm out of a job. I'm going to work on cars out there in my shop. If anybody needs a car worked on, I'll be happy to do it for you at a good price. They all knew I was a good mechanic. So, man, one of the guys said, hey, I got a problem. I need mine fixed right now. So, man, Monday morning I had a shop. I mean, when you only got a shop big enough for one car and you got one car, you shop full. <laughs> you don't have to worry about having six or eight standing around. You got one. That's all you need, one. The Lord give me one. Every time I'd get through with one, turn it back in, somebody else would call. Well, I tithed and continued to walk in obedience to God's Word and thank Him and praise Him for all everything He brought to me. But I paid our house payment, I paid our car payment, and I paid the insurance, bought the groceries, and then everything else I put in the bank and said, we ain't touching it. And as we begin to get money built up a little bit, I told her, I said, one day, I said, now, we got, we're beginning to get a little money. Got a little. A couple, two or three thousand dollars we had in savings now. And she said, well, we got this money, but I'd like to have this. I said, nope, nope, nope. I said, we don't need it. That new dress you don't need. That new toolbox I'd like to have. I could live without it. I got one. I could use my old one, but I want a new one, but I don't need it. I said, so what we're going to do after we get the money saved up is we go through life. When we got the money in the bank and every bill's paid and we see something that we can't live without and it's on sale. If it ain't on sale, you don't even talk about it. It's got to be on sale. I said, then we wait two more weeks. And in two more weeks, if it's still there and it's still on sale and we still got the money and we still think we can't live without it, then we'll go buy it. And you know what happened? Most of the time you you realize after two or three days, I don't really need that. I can do without that. I mean, yeah, I needed another jacket or another suit or whatever, but I got two. That's all I need. You know, I don't need another one. So why? I just keep saving money. So all through life, I did that. And for the next 35 years of my life, I did that. And at the end of that 35 years, by putting that money in investments, just before 911, you know how much money I had in investments? A half a million dollars. Just think, a few little pennies here and a few little pennies there, and you invest them, they had turned into a half a million dollars. But after 911, I lost them from fifteen to $30,000 a month. Every month for about three or four or five months. And finally, I called my broker one day. Every time he'd send me a statement, it's fifteen to $30,000 less than it was. I said, sell everything I got 
He said, no, Thurman, now's not the time to sell. I said, I'm still in good shape compared to what I started with. I said, sell it all. I'm getting rid of everything. And I did. It cost me a fortune in income tax. I sold it all. But I took all that money and invested it in my son and built him a facility that he's doing a great job with now. And guess what my son told me the other day? He said, Dad, we're going to start a new church. I said, you're going to start a church? He said, yeah. And he said, probably next week we're going to start a Bible study class in the field house and we're going to start a new church. How'd you like your son to start a church? Glory to God. I can't think of nothing better I'd rather have than my son to start a church. Can you, Keith? No. That's what you want. You think, now, Lord, I know now why you spoke to me when he was two years old and you give me Deuteronomy chapter 6 or 4 and said, you do them things for that boy. I've got a plan for him in the future. It's like only God knows what James and Lori has, what God has got for these children. Not just one of their children. All of those kids. I mean, that little family is a holy, obedient, clean family that's been taught the Word of God at home. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to praise God for being like James and women like Lori. You know, that have, I mean, have, we been, have they been without sin in their life? They're just like you and me. Nope, we've all had lots of sins. But God, they've, in, their, in their years, they've, they have repented of every sin, and they brought these precious little children into the world, and they've done the best they can to teach them about God. And I'm going to tell you, them kids that worked for me in the ministry center, and I can't think of nobody I'd rather have working for me than people of God. Can you? Because when you got people of God, those little kids done a great job for me out there. Or for the Lord, they wasn't working for me. They was working for God out there in the ministry center. They, did they go through trials and temptations every day? Yes, but they always overcome. They didn't let no temptation, no trial, nothing ever get through to them. It made no difference what it was because they've been taught these kind of scriptures. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. In other words, you've got, to, you've got to yield to this lust. I mean, the lust is going to come, but you don't have to yield to it. But when you do lust, sin comes forth. You have sinned when you yield to the lust. And then it says, and lust, and lust, when it is finished, brings forth death. Why do you think so many people are sick and afflicted today? Why are so many people in the church sick and afflicted? They're not passing their test. When they're tempted with the things of the world, we lose our cool and blow our stack. You lose it and you sin. And that sin brings forth sickness and disease which winds up in death. Hey, when I told Cheryl here a while back, I've turned over a new leaf. Anybody ever heard that statement? I'm going to turn over a new leaf. When you turn over a new leaf, you're supposed to Turn it over, and it's going to be new, and you're going to try your best to keep it that way now, right, Eldon? You ain't going to go into sin no more. You ain't going to get into all this unbelief and all the stuff. You're not going to get into lust. You're not going to let this lust come in and bring forth sin into your life, because when sin is finished, it brings forth death. And I don't know about you. I want to live to be an old, healthy man. Don't you? An old, healthy one. I don't want to wind up at 50. Or 60. Of course, I couldn't get that because I'm already way past that. But I, I know lots of people. I mean, I mean, that's only a number. Technically, I'm under 50. You know, technically, I'm 30. You know, 
I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, yesterday, uh, I got tickled at uh, Dave. Yesterday, we, went, we had a little problem with the uh, master switch on the airplane. And, and I couldn't get the starter to engage. And so I was, I was going to take Eldon for a flight Saturday morning. And we went out there, and I pulled it out of the hangar. And first thing, when I pulled it out of the hangar, we got it all pulled out and everything. And then I opened the door and started to get in it. And I thought, I didn't bring the headsets. I can't communicate with nobody. So we pushed it back in the hangar and drive back home and get a couple of headsets. Then we come back out there, and we pull it out of the hangar again. And I open the door and get in it. We've already checked everything. And we get in, and I turn the master switch on and hit the, start, hit the fuel pump, and they run. They do everything like it's supposed to. And I reach over to hit the starter, and nothing happens. It won't do nothing. It just kind of turns just a little bit, and then it, nothing. Dead. Battery's dead. I thought, candy, brand new battery. What happened? Well, I told him, I said, you know... I don't know what the, I said, Eldon, I know that I've got to go minister to a woman this afternoon that's a member of the Church of Christ, her and her husband, and I've got to get them healed. And she's in critical condition, and I told them I'd be there about 1 o'clock. And I said, obviously, God is trying to tell me it's not the time for me to go out flying. So I said, it's over. We're going to go home. We're going to stop over here at the restaurant. We're going to have a bite to eat. I told him I was going to buy him something, and he beat me to it, and he paid for it. He wouldn't let me pay for it. But anyway, we're going to have a quick bite to eat. Then we're going to go minister to this woman. Well, by not going flying at all, by having a quick bite to eat and going home and getting everything and driving down there and finding her, it was still 1.30 when we got there. I told them I'd be there between 1 and 2. Now, what if we'd have went flying? I'd have been late. God says, you ain't going flying today. So after we got back, I went out there and thought, well, I'll check this thing. So I get out there and open the door, and I lay down on the seat of that thing, upside down, feet sticking straight up, body down in underneath there with a flashlight looking. And Dave says, is this one of the positions you have to learn to get in to be a pilot? I said, when you're a 30-year-old slim and trim, you can do this. But if you're a 68-year-old and you're not, you're not really... Slim and trim, and you're really not, you know, knowing that you're... I said, you don't get down in here because you can't get out. (laughs) You know what? I love being able to get into those positions. I love knowing that I could do that when I was 30, and I can still do it at 67. Why can I do that? Because I have read this book... I've studied this book. I've walked in obedience to this book, and I know that God's the healer. Well, when we, when we went down there and ministered to this woman, here's a woman, 66 years old, that knows God's Word. She studied it too, but she's sick. What's the problem? You know what the problem was? Absolutely. Her husband. He's a man of God. But he's not been the spiritual leader. She is the one who studied the Word. Why would, the, why would the devil attack her instead of him? Because she's the most powerful thing in God's Word in that house. And he realized that. He cried. He repented. He said, I have not been the spiritual authority that you tell me in this book I need to be. He said, I knew I need to be there. And if you don't put God first, you know, there's a commandment that's written all over the book that we call the number one. It says you are to love the Lord your God with a little bit of your heart, all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength. So if you don't 
spend any time with Him, don't read His Word, don't study, you're not spending time with God. Is it going to bring sickness and disease to your house? Yes, it sure will. It can kill either one of you. I've seen it numerous times. So, hey, blessed is the man that is tempted. Because when he endures and he doesn't fall to the things of the world, he shall receive the crown of life. Do you want that crown? Let me tell you, these crowns don't come without a cost. I mean, it is, there is a cost that you have to pay to get these crowns. And a lot of people in the church, they think we're going to get crowns, think we're going to walk into the kingdom of God, and God's going to be holding His arms on and say, Well done, children, come in. You may be surprised. You may very well be surprised. It may not be that way. But it will be if you're about His business. If you're about the king's business and you're winning souls and you're getting people saved, healed, and delivered, and you're about God's business and you're blessing Him and producing fruit for His kingdom, if you're doing that, then when you go home, He'll say, well done, faithful servant. Come in. I will put you over many cities in my kingdom. How would you like to hear that? How would you like to hear Him say, I don't know who you are in the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't want to hear that, do you? Absolutely not. Now then, we're going to take communion. Today is Communion Sunday. For those of you that are going to help us with communion, if you will, Cheryl and some of you already got things going, so go ahead and pass these things out. This bread. We're going to take the bread. You'll notice this bread we've got here. This is Jewish bread. This bread is flat. There's no leaven in it. It is striped. It is pierced. It's a symbol of the body of Jesus that bore your sickness and removed your disease. You know, Paul told us in the Word of God, and I read this a lot of times and didn't understand it. He said, because you did not take this bread knowing what it meant, many of you are sick and weak. And even some of you have died early. Oh. Thank you. Some of you have died early because you didn't receive what Jesus did for you. Let me tell you, when you repent of your sins and walk holy before God, and you take communion on a regular basis, and you claim the promises of God, Lord, thank you that you bore my sickness and removed my disease. Because you told me in 1 Peter 2.21 that this is the example that you left for me to follow. That in you there was no sin. So if there's no sin in you, that's my example. There's to be no sin in me. You said there was no deceit in your mouth. So Lord, let there not be any deceit in my mouth. There was no guile in you. So let there be none in me. You said when you were threatened, you didn't threaten them back. You turned them over to him who judges righteously. So, Lord, never let me make an accusation, a judgment about somebody else because I don't know where they come from. I don't know. I don't know the hell they might have been raised up in. I don't know, Lord. I didn't go there. I've never been there. So I can't judge another human being. They may come at me screaming and cussing and do everything to me. Just like that guy that cut that guy off today. I prayed for him as he drove off. Ask the Lord to open his understanding to who he was because obviously he don't know the Jesus that I know. But then he says, you, being dead to sin, 
should live unto righteousness. And then after you do all that, the last statement is, by His stripes you were healed. Which means we don't have to be sick anymore if we are walking obedient to His Word. We take this by faith. When I started doing that 20-something years ago, I'm telling you, it brought health to my flesh. And, oh, Lord, I am standing here before you today praising you and thanking you that I learned 20-plus years ago that you bore my sickness, removed my disease, and that I'd been sick so many times because I had never received you as my healer. And, Lord, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the church says. I only believe what you said. And since you said you bore my sickness, removed my disease, and if I believe that by faith and walk holy and obedient to your word, I won't never have to be sick again. Lord, I want to thank you and praise you that I did that 20 years ago. And Lord, I want to thank you and praise you. I've never had a sick day since that day. When somebody says it don't work, you got to me too late. I know it works. I've lived it for 20 plus years. Father, We are so grateful for this communion. We're so grateful for this bread, which is a representation of your body, that you sent your son 2,000 years ago to bear our our sin, bear our sickness, and remove our disease. So we don't have to be sick. We don't have to sin. We walk holy in your presence. We purify ourselves. And we can walk in obedience to your word because you're in us. And Lord, thank you for this great and awesome privilege that we can really, literally still be young every day because you give us the fountain of youth. You said you are the fountain of youth. You said you renew our youth like the eagles. So Lord, thank you that we're young, we're healthy, and you've given us the statement that you will satisfy us with long, healthy life. I claim that for me and my family in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for the bread. Bless it to our bodies as we take it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can eat the bread. think. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The King. The King is walking among you today. That's beyond my wildest imaginations. But I know that Jesus, our King, is here in this place today. He's walking among us, watching everything we do. Lord, I thank you that you're here. It would be so wonderful, Lord, if we literally could see you or your angels. But, Lord, we know you're here without that. Because we know we have to walk by faith and not by sight. But, Lord, when we see you move upon somebody, we see you do your miracles and we see you heal them or do the miracles that you do. Lord, we know you're there. We praise you and thank you. Just like George and Beth, as they rode down that road with that motorcycle with a flat tire, they knew that Jesus was there holding up that front wheel. Only he or one of his angels could have done that for them. And only he could have brought 173 people into the kingdom of God in that trip. But Lord, we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, for this next trip they're going to make, I ask you to put the people with them that you want to go with them. I ask you to send your angels to watch over them. 
And Lord, I ask you to bring three times that many people into the kingdom next time. And you're probably saying to me, oh, you have little faith. Okay, Lord, forgive me. Bring everyone you want to bring. No numbers. It's up to you, Lord. We thank you for this little cup of juice that represents the blood of our Savior. That when He spilt this blood, He redeemed us from every sin and poured out a grace that's beyond our wildest dreams. That regardless of how wicked we had been, when we accept this grace, He cleans us up, this blood washes away every sin, and makes us brand new. And then He tells us from this day forth, now study my word and go and sin no more. So we as the children of God are not supposed to sin. We're supposed to bring forth fruit and walk holy in His presence. And when we do that, He said, then you don't never have to worry. I'll be with you. You'll go through all these trials and tests. But if you'll study my word, you'll pass them. And as you pass the test, when you're tempted and you endure, He said, I'll give you a crown of life. Wow. Lord, I just happened to think, there's got to be more than one crown of life. Every time we pass one of these tests, you set aside another crown, a crown of life. Wow. How we'd like to go through all those trials and tests and one day look up and there's a big, long wall there with crowns of life. And he'd say, those are all yours. You were endured. You endured. You were tested. You were tempted. And all these times, now there are four or five blank spots. You didn't make it there. But there's supposed to be another one right there for you. Those are just the crowns of life that I have for you, my children. Because as you went through your trials and tests, you passed many of them. But some you failed. But everyone you failed, I give you a crown of life. Lord, we thank you. We're so gracious. So grateful for your mercy to those of us that will repent and turn from our wicked ways. Thank you, Lord, for your blood which washed away all of our sins. And Lord, today, may if we have a sin in our life, may we repent. Lord, I repent of every sin known and unknown. I don't even know where I might have missed it, but you do. But Lord, every sin known and unknown, I repent. And I want to walk holy. I want to walk in love. I want to walk in obedience to your word so that, Lord, there'll be nothing to hinder my prayers. Lord, I want to love my wife with a love beyond anything she's ever experienced so that you, when I pray, my prayers will not be hindered. They'll be answered. But I want to walk in love, the God kind of love to every human being. So that as I do, my prayers will not be hindered. But you will be able to show up and walk through me. And great and mighty miracles will happen. And while George and Beth is here, Beth was there the night I prayed for Johnny Brumfield. You saw that, didn't you, Beth? Weren't you there that night? She saw Johnny Brumfield with his crushed knees in Louisiana a few year, two or three years ago, whenever it was. She was there the night I knelt down in front of that man with those two crushed knees and prayed for him. And she got to see God heal a man with two crushed knees and see him running up and down the church, praising God, screaming, God is awesome. And he's still doing that, isn't he? Isn't that awesome, George? God's alive, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's there. I don't know. Were you there that night, George? I didn't think you were there that night. I didn't remember. I remembered Beth being there. How do we do that? Because of this blood. It ain't us. That Jesus in me that did it that night. It wasn't me. The King of kings and Lord of lords healed a man beyond my wildest dreams. 
to lay your hands on a man with two crushed knees that hadn't stepped a step in 21 months and he instantly totally healed. Let me tell you, I stand in awe when I see God do those kind of things. But he did it because of this. Because of the blood. Because he washed you and me and cleaned us up and purified us and made us holy. If you have a sin in your life, confess it. Don't drink this without confessing and repenting and telling God you'll walk holy before Him. Thank you, Father, for this juice. We praise you for what you've done 2,000 years ago. Only you're worthy. And we know that. It's you and all about you. And thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You can drink the juice. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the King. We're going to sing another song. Oh, how, oh, how He loves you and me. and the trials and the tests of life come. Begin to worship and praise the King and thank Him for the privilege to be tried and tested and tempted. But don't fall to the temptation. As the temptations come, praise Him because you know when you pass the test, there's a crown of life behind it. Isn't that awesome? For those of you that are new here and don't know, the media back here is all free. You take anything you want, give it to your friends, whatever you want to do. We don't charge for nothing. If you want to give a donation to our ministry, as you go out, there's a box on the right. Other than that, if you need to be prayed for, if you need to receive something, and do you have something you want to say, Beth? Okay, praise the Lord. Wait just a minute, folks. We can't go yet. Beth's got something she's got to tell us. Praise God. Okay. I just wanted to say that I'm humbled to be here. And I'm humbled to have been able to make a trip that we made. Through God's grace. Five years ago, our son was killed.
Lord. My son loved meteor uh, shooting stars, and he and George would stand out and watch to see how many shooting stars they could see before they turned in to go to bed. And the night of his funeral, there was a meteorite display. Just shooting stars everywhere. And we went outside and just watched and couldn't even blink because we would miss one if we blinked. And I remember just asking the Lord for a soul for every shooting star that we saw. And I pray that 173 is just a beginning. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you, the trials and tests come. I mean, that's the ultimate when you lose a child. Many of you know what she's talking about. You know, I know. I've lost one, you know, two. I know what it is. But on this earth, these trials and tests are going to come. Don't get into grumbling or complaining, but worship and praise the Lord. Because He looks over and watches over the death of His saints. That's an awesome statement. We get so attached to this earth. If He hadn't put us, made us like, we, like He did, every one of us, once we get saved, you know what we'd want to do? We'd want to die and go to heaven. Who wants to stay down here on this place? But He put a desire in us to produce fruit for Him and His kingdom here. So we would stay here so that one day when we do go home, and some of us are going to go home early, like their son, like my daughter. You know, you go home early. Some do. But some of us, he's going to leave here for a long time. Well, stand your ground, pass those trials and tests, build up those crowns of life, as well as all the other crowns, and realize while we're here, we've got a great job to do for the kingdom. So go out there and win people to Jesus and tell people about salvation and get people healed and delivered. Tell them who the devil is too. And walk holy in his presence and you'll see God do great and awesome things. Now, if any of you need to be prayed for, for anything, if you need to know Jesus, you want to accept him as Lord and Savior, you can come up here. We'll lead you to Jesus. Or if you need to be prayed for for healing or anything else, you come forth and we will pray for you. Praise the Lord. And if you don't need to be prayed for, you're dismissed.